My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Hey, my friends. I want to welcome you to the Healthy Brain Podcast, where we stand up and boldly speak the truth about what's healthy in this world, especially when it comes to brain health. You won't find any sugarcoating in this space. Y'all, today I have the distinct honor of introducing a very special guest here on the podcast. She's the founder and president of one of the most technologically advanced music therapy facilities in the world, the Center for Music Therapy, Inc. in Austin, Texas. She's also the executive producer of the Movement Tracks Project and executive director of 501c3 Soundwell Austin. She's been recognized nationally and internationally in such publications as the Journal of the American Medical Association, Shape Magazine, The Wall Street Report, and New York Times bestseller, The Mozart Effect. Her company is celebrating its 30th year, and her vision for the next 30 years boldly leads a new generation in music therapy to create healthcare solutions through innovations in music technologies, which bring the power of music to help heal and treat all the isolated and underserved communities of the world. She's a speaker, consultant, an incredibly intelligent woman, a bold soul who I highly respect. Welcome, Hope Young. Gary, you are a delight. Thank you for that amazing introduction. And I am so thrilled that we have met and honored that you've had me on your show. Thank you. And I'm delighted to get to speak to your audience. Oh, we're so excited you are here. And um, I know the last time I spoke with you, I didn't want our conversations to end, right? You are so full of knowledge. So I just wanted to just kind of dive right into our conversation, if that's okay with you. I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay. So Hope, if you would please just, oh, let's just start out by sharing with our listeners the definition of music therapy. Well, I am going to give your listeners a very simple one. The, the music therapy is the use of music for non-music outcomes in treatment like rehabilitation for walking or if you've had a stroke or a head injury for speech recovery. If we talk about it in behavior health, of course, using it, everybody knows to use it to regulate mood, but we also process an awful lot of trauma in a safe way, right? Through music. And we do so much more than that. In medical, many people have it. They've had a music therapist help them with cancer and the chemotherapy, reducing pain, getting through surgeries with either no anesthesia or with half a dose of anesthesia compared to what you normally would without music. Use so many things with burn patients to deal with those acid wash baths. There's just so many uses. So I could go on, on. but one of the ones that you and I were talking about is cognition. Mm-hmm. People have you know, seen the documentary Alive Inside, how suddenly somebody who can't remember who they are, who you are as a daughter, it's like magic. This veil is pierced, and through song, they remember not only who they are, they remember words of a song. They remember what they were doing when they were singing that song or dancing. And it all comes back, all those relation and what we call autobiographical memory. Yeah, so that's the right side of the brain, correct? Where all that language and music and... It can be. When you're talking about certain things like melody, recognition, that's the right side. But actually, when we're talking about autobiographical memory and these cognitive attention, 
one of the things that music does, it really focuses attention because dopamine is gathered and stimulated to organize anytime we do musical tasks. So yes. you're getting actual pharmaceutical health benefit when you get doing musical things. So that autobiographical memory and some of those complex attention, that's actually both sides of the brain working together, which is part of that magic that we talk. That is so interesting. How does that transform the life of, let's say, a dementia patient? It's incredibly transformative. So when I gave you that simple answer about music therapy, I'm going to talk about transforming when we're talking about treatment, which to do, to really call it music therapy, you have to have a board certified music therapist doing it. So we're going to talk about an intensive treatment. We're going to talk about healing that person who's living and that family that's living with dementia. And we're going to talk about helping them through music. So you know when you go in and you help somebody by singing a hymn, somebody that you visit in church and that you were in choir together, you visit and you will sing along, yeah. right? Love that. And incredibly, <laughs> you've seen a smile come on their face. So what did you just do when you're helping? You help breach the isolation. Mm. You helped breach that loneliness. You helped just human to human, soul to soul, right? Mm. And you can even say that that's very healing. But what if we want to amp up that power of how you're going to use music now? Now you know that you're there, you're with the person. What if you need to do more? And we know that that person has been really grieving somebody that they've lost. And you want to listen, right? But that person mm. has dementia, so sometimes they can't speak. But what could you do? You could actually now sing with them and help them by maybe holding their hand, tapping out the rhythm, just doing little things, encouraging them to sing. What's the song that you love to sing that you know their family, you know them, you know enough history to know that this is a safe song. And they'll start to sing with you. And oftentimes, if you'll stop and let them finish, they'll start talking about this, like, how is your mother? You know, how's this? And if they bring up my husband, right? Now, if they're talking and they're smiling and that's all going well, you're observing and you may sing more. You may be able to just, you know, use your wonderful, I can't carry a tune in a bucket voice, but your heart is there singing along with them, not worrying about the musicality, staying focused with that person. Yeah, it's all about like that connection. It is. Right? I mean, we're, yeah. we're made to connect. Yeah, and what you're doing, if you tap your toes, if you clap your hands, if you have an instrument, you're getting them actively engaged. And that's really, really healing. And that's where the brain, you remember how we were talking about music therapy and the technology mm -hmm. and research. Once you get them from that, act, that passive role where you sang to them, mm -hmm. right? And you were yeah. there. It's very helping them, but you're not getting them to engage, right? You're not encouraged. And that's why I said, even if you cannot carry a tune in the bucket, <laughs> sing with them and get them to sing. Don't let them apologize about their voice or say, no, I'm not good enough. Get them to sing because once they sing or if they can't sing, clap their hands, tap their toes, you know, hold their hands, move with them, get them doing anything. You activate all the areas of their brain. Yeah. And when you do that, that's brain exercise. And when you have dementia, of course, we know all those areas, there's proteins that are killing those cells, mm -hmm. right? So if you activate the whole brain, it gets the blood flowing and it's just like your muscles getting <gasps> oxygen and getting dopamine, these incredibly important neurotransmitters, chemicals. Yeah. 
Yeah, just like yeah. vitamins, your nutritionist. You need to feed your body. Well, music feeds your brain. Are you Absolutely. getting a healthy dose? So the more you can get that person to engage with you and stop worrying about, I'm not good enough or I don't have good voice. Or, and you just do like we did in the old days. Back where I grew up in Indiana, there was no organ, there was no instruments, there was just people. Um, we did that a lot back in the day. Mm. Right? And now, of course, music's done to us because it's electric and everybody's got it in their pocket. And so exactly. we do this together less. But it's very important with dementia that you do it more together. When you get to treatment, you would see the need for treatment when you have a music therapist who really knows how to take dementia and an advanced person with dementia to get them moving safely to stimulate gait and movement and thoughts. And we know all the tricks and science and technology to get them doing this really well. And we know that if that person was grieving and when you were healing and doing that kind of work with your family member or engagement, if the grief was overwhelming them, and they were having memories, uh, war veterans, we have to be really careful about the music that we're triggering, autobiographical memory that is from when they were in Vietnam, when they were in Korea. We still have some World War II veterans. We have a lot of Iraq. You have to be careful of it. That's where you definitely need a music therapist. Somebody yeah. has a degree of bachelor's, master's, or PhD, and is licensed to handle when you get to treatment and guide you. But mm -hmm. you don't have to be a music therapist to engage in singing, do you? Or no, absolutely not. I mean, no. my mother, you know, most of my listeners know that my mother has dementia and she's in a home. And every time we were able to go in, of course, we've got the virus going on right now. But when we were able to go see her, they had music playing all the time. And she would hear him and she'd start to sing. And it was just so lovely. In fact, she still even dances a little bit. She's got lots. Of, she's got that rhythm. You know, exactly. so if you can do that, just remember what you're doing to the brain. And dementia is a brain disease mm. order, right? So anything and music is known to be this neurologic phenomena. There's nothing else we humans do that activates all areas of the brain simultaneously. That's why it's so powerful. And that's why you have to be careful. And that's why mm. music therapists that you can call on can exactly. help you, but don't stop you from dancing with your mom. And while you're dancing, sing with her and open up the opportunity to say, mom, you and dad, we all danced with this when we were little and let her just say whatever comes to her mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's some of my best memories over the last few years is yeah. dancing with my mom. I would hand my phone to someone and say, hey, just video us real quick. Just a little snippet. I just need this to hang on to, you know, but she grew up with music. She grew up dancing and singing and and just, you know, not necessarily singing, but yeah, in church, you know. And in Texas, too, Stephanie. So fascinating. Oh, yeah, exactly. I have someone <laughs> on Tejano. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love salt and Tejano all over Texas. Oh. They're going wrong. <laughs> I, exactly. There's so many great dances, right? The Zydeco and things like that. And we have so, so much great R&B, too. Right. Exactly. And, right? exactly. It doesn't matter. There's just, we have this wealth of music history in this state. Exactly. You know, you've already mentioned, we don't have to be singers and dancers to participate or even have a musical background of any sort, you know, mm -hmm. and that's such a great thing, you know, only we'll to relax in that and that. We are naturally musical beings. There right. are some people out there that don't believe that they are. If your heart is beating in time, 
Uh-huh. And your doctor can listen to it and you can listen to your child or your mother mm-hmm. and you hear her breathing going, <sighs> if you hear that heart going, dup, 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 dup. what is that, Carrie? Oh, that's so precious. That's rhythm. <laughs> exactly. And that's melody. We take it for granted. Again, you're using a definition that a lot of us in modern history, because we've made it a recording industry, which I'm a member of the Grammy, so I understand that. But we've removed the idea of what we've always known. Humanity is rhythmic. Our voices even speak, good morning. Just do that. Just go, remember that exercise in kindergarten? Yes, I do. Right? With it's great old exercise, yeah. It's rhythm. And that's what the brain's recognizing. Mm-hmm. It's recognizing good morning versus good morning versus yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We say the same thing, that little bit of words, and this is important in dementia, those words that we get hung up on, Mm -hmm. actually in the speech pattern that the brain, that I as a music therapist tap into to magically get them to speak or recover a gunshot wound to the head or, you know, all these things. It's actually those things. You are naturally musical, every single one of us. It's the rhythmic recognition of that brain pattern that the dopamine and a lot of the nose neurocircuits activate from. It's the timbre. It's the, ah, no. It's those musical things, not the, no, (laughs) that the brain's actually interpreting and that are tied to content of emotional content, which is you've been with your mom and all of these folks out there with your mom. What's the emotional content's value in your relationship with your mom and dad and your everyday activity functioning? that emotional content that the brain's recognizing or getting confused about mm. is all that makes the difference between medication, right? having to manage those emotions, mm-hmm. or being able to live and do music or other things that I feel calm. I know where I am. I have a sense of understanding in this time and place where I am and who I am or a little bit of context to my life. So emotionally, I'm okay. Yeah, I've seen that but- with my mom and dad. You know, they'll be sitting on the couch, and if I walked into the home, dad would be playing, say, Gladys Knight and the Pips, you know? And that was mom and dad's some of their favorite music. And they love that artist, Gladys Knight. And mom would just sit there and sing, and dad would, you know, have mom cuddle her. And she was just smiling and had that little beat going to her. And it's precious moments, you know, you know, you realize. There's that connection there between her and daddy. So it's the soul. I have Judy. I was just on an interview. Uh, I was lecturing to the UT Neurosciences and Judy Noodleman, mm. her husband, Harvey Noodleman, is a neuroscientist who got mm. a really advanced form of progressive supranuclear palsy with dementia as a really strong mm. part of that. And mm. she was telling the students about Harvey, all the speech and all these wonderful things. But what you just said, she goes, Harvey showed up with the music, just like you and your dad and your mom, right? Yeah. And she said, that was my resiliency. Music with us and music therapy enabled that resiliency to make it through that journey. Her children with her husband, yeah. that resiliency that needs to be fed. And, you know, our souls, our brains, they're all one. And we forget how important to do things and do them often and give them just Mm -hmm. as much priority to spend Mm -hmm. that time. And we think that's taken away with dementia and that's not true. Right. Those keys are there. 
we just forget mm-hmm. and we think they're gone. But if you just trigger, just turn a little switch, you can have those moments, right? Yeah. So true. And it happens over and over and over again with music. Once you get past that barrier of like, I don't know how to sing, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a few simple things that everybody can do. Yes, please. <laughs> so let me tell you about things that are universal with music and that we know from best practice with music therapists, things that we're doing not only here, but in Australia and Europe. Dr. Felicity Baker is a really wonderful music therapist who has funded a $3 million grant to study exactly this, music and supporting family and people living with dementia in their homes or wherever they live in assisted living care homes. What are those universal things that we have found as music therapists through good practice and good research that you could do and that you don't have to be PhD? You don't have to have the expert. So let's just talk through Yvonne. So Yvonne is one of my current, uh, my company, current wonderful gals. She lives at home with her family and her husband. And so she has two diagnoses, which she every day has been living with the last 10 years or so. She has Parkinson's disease, but the primary diagnosis is Alzheimer's. Mm. So we're very familiar with Alzheimer's. It has a very static, progressive, you know, progression of the disease and certain things that happen. So in the earlier stages, one of the things is exactly what you are doing. So naturally is dancing, singing, telling stories. We even would have her read the books to her grandchildren and let them play, right? She luckily had books that were her grandmother's and mother's and hers and her son, right? We take things that are naturally anything in your house. Some of your strongest memories when you're wanting to read, sing, use music are from your early adulthood to your mid-30s. So if you really want to capitalize on memories, bring Mm -hmm. objects or things or like a dress from a picture and let her talk about that with that familiar song. So once Uh, kind of progressed more from the singing, which it all kind of popped up or doing music, like you're saying, as the disease progressed, we moved to, okay, we need a little bit more help with those triggers. So a picture, and we would talk about what she was wearing. We would talk about what her face is smiling, what's looking like, who's in the picture, where are you, what phase your life, and let her finish those thoughts. But we would literally pull out some of the clothes and clothes that she dressed her little boy in, that things that, you know, are around the house. They're somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so let her feel them, let her touch them with the music that is also from that period of life. Oh, that's so great. You can sing it. You can put it on the background, sing along. Boy, does that bring up, Mm -hmm. especially as you go into advanced stage where we are now. Let's talk about what starts happening in advanced stages of the disease where we really want to have more tools in our tools kit to not to have medication restraints on our loved ones. That's one thing we all want to do everything we can to avoid. So one of the things that happens is sundowning. Sundowning oftentimes is the person's getting confused at who am I and where am I doesn't match up to what I'm experiencing, right? And your body wants to stay awake and it gets agitated. So these are things that have been working with Yvonne. And at first it was working well, but as the disease progressed and the sundowning got worse, I stepped in and had to train the people who were staying with her 
in our home and the husband too. So things that we would do is I, since it's nighttime, I used like, have you guys seen those artificial candles that don't have flame? Yes. Okay. Something that's not a real candle (laughs) (laughs) in a nursing home or an assisted living. We would turn on the candle and I would put on music that had very little uh, tempo changes and very little volume changes and something that was more for nighttime. And I would just simply describe and talk to her. I said, you know, it's so lovely to be sitting here next to your bed and looking at the candle together and the, the gentle glow against the dark sky as the moon's rising outside. And you would hear her take these deep breaths and go this agitated, flailing breath out on the side of the bed. And so with the music, and I'm saying, I'm just listening to the music and I would breathe. Oh, it feels so good, Yvonne, to feel my body relax and sit here next to you, two friends, just listening to a beautiful song that is so quiet and calm. I'd say sometimes, do you hear that? That's a beautiful flute or that's a beautiful piano. Right? Help her focus on what she can grab onto. She can hear. That's so good. And, you know, breathe. (gasps) And the moon is rising outside. And describe what's outside. The green leaves are fading into shadow, right, against the night sky. You're so poetic. (laughs) I've had practice. Oh, my. That's a music therapist for you, guys. (laughs) Thinking about what's around you, and that's describing and reinforcing it's nighttime. You're in your bed. Help her. Help her brain focus. Tune into the music. Here's an easier thing. Let me describe. Put on some relaxing favorite music. Try to watch out. I know that everybody loves classical, but classical goes everywhere, and it gets really loud, and then it gets soft, and it's all these crazy, wonderful instruments coming at you. Not the best for you to help her calm down and go to sleep. You know, a few instruments that tend to continue in and that it won't start and stop suddenly, especially as she calms down and is going to sleep where she want to help her. You don't want to pull somebody right out of one's like, (gasps) you know, (laughs) right? So here's a simple thing. Put on that music, talk to her in that sweet, calm voice, just like everybody knows how to do. It's a loving moment. It's a quiet moment. Imagine a child and a loved one in your arm. That's who they are. And read the Bible, read past, you know, passages that are reinforcing, read books from your childhood, read oh, so powerful. From, yeah, read things that letters that you can find from the attic, read the newspaper if you want. If that's a lot of my gentlemen, I have one gentleman right now that his family and everybody sits and reads. He's a successful businessman, always is reading the paper, but we do that in the morning. And the reason we do that in the morning, not at night, is because in the morning, the paper came first after he got ready or before he got ready. Once the shaving started, the tie was on, he will wander right outside of that facility. If you Absolutely. Do. Yeah. <laughs> Want to make sure if the paper was the something that he remembers doing in the morning, do it in the morning. Don't do that at night. Otherwise, he's going to start going into triggering. <gasps> It's just, he doesn't even think about it. It just triggers those old patterns that we practice so much. So So, yeah, if instead do Sudoku, do a crossword puzzle, read something, just think about your normal average day and just reinforce that, but read to music. And that's another thing during the daytime, if you have those afternoon times, which get difficult to keep them awake and that's causing a lot of the sundowning or the staying up at night. 
do things very actively, drawing, painting. With people who are early and mid-stage, you can use, you know, finger paints. You can use any kind of thing to use it, to create to it, to write to it, to do things. Mm -hmm. In the advanced stages, we use literally jello and pudding. So (laughs) you know, it can make a mess, but you do something really keeps them awake and engaged. And that's when you use classical. That's when you put on your classical or your country and ramp them up and then dance after we're all cleaned up, things like that in the middle of the day where you have a hard time keeping them alert. Mm. You strategically dance. You do the stimulating things. You strategically do those calm things with the sun downing at night and help them remember where they are, that it's nighttime, you're in your home, you're in your bed. If you're in a nursing home, say you're in your bed, here's a familiar. If you can put your images, the pictures they're used to, put those on a pillow Mm -hmm. so they can hold the pillow and go to sleep. If you're in a nursing home, things like that, that, you know, love songs, make out music, they're never going to forget the make out music. Right. Well, Hope, if we could just clone you, and put you in all the homes all over the world, wouldn't that be a huge difference in the world? Oh my gosh. Harry, the good news is every human is musical on this planet. I'm hearing impaired and I have friends who are deaf. We are musical. So it doesn't take me. It takes us just having permission to own the Take the compliment now, Pope. (laughs) But don't be scared to use it out of this modern thing of music being done to you and own your heritage. We are musical beings. No, I know how powerful it is. I mean, we grew up with music in our family. My mom danced all the time. My mom and my my aunt would do the jitterbug together because daddy wouldn't do it with her, you know, even though on the side, you know, if it was just them two, then he would do it just to make her happy. But Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the options available out there to help pay for this therapy. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because people, the listeners are probably wondering. When they're, you know, again, if you think about what I laid out, helping people, healing people, treating people through music. So helping and healing, you need to pull your resources in the community and get volunteers and stimulate that. Hey, let's just get music and use that as much as you can in your budgets to, you know, have people doing that. But when it comes to a music therapist, so when you're in skilled nursing facilities, mm-hmm. it would be billed out and reimbursed the same way that they're doing PT, speech, these type. It would be billed and treated, and it has to be in the, the treatment plan and physician mm-hmm. orders. So when you're going to bill Medicare and you're in, a, if you understand what Medicare Part A versus Part B is? No. But you can explain it. So Medicare Part A is primarily when you're inpatient in the hospital. Part B is when you go out into the community, all mm-hmm. right? So that can be an outpatient. That's when, at least for music therapy, because that's where my facility is. So if you're in A, right, mm-hmm. in A, that's when you're in a hospital and some of the different, I'd have to say how you're doing your skilled nursing contract with your Medicare carrier. Music therapy is going to be one of those bundled services that they're going to get paid. And it's not a direct bill in the way you think of an outpatient, Part B. It's part of the services that are covered under the Medicare services. So you just need to advocate for music therapy being a priority of those services to get better outcomes faster and that are more appropriate and documented all over the world in medical and science journals to be one of the most effective for dementia and Alzheimer's. Okay, that's just where you need advocacy. They get paid for this to get speech outcomes, to get behavioral, to get therapeutic, to get 
movement. Music therapists are recognized in your state level. They're recognized on the federal level as the practitioner to do that. That's Once awesome. you get an outpatient part B, so at the skilled nursing, if your OTPT, these things are really an outpatient after you left rehab or something, Medicare, unless the PT, so what I do is I train the PTs to use the music appropriately to get their balancing gait training, and the PT is doing that intervention with them, and we're consultant. Now, if they have already used their $1,200 a year that Medicare will pay mm-hmm. for PT, OT, speech, these kind of things, and then you have an insurance plan, oftentimes a lot of folks have. Not everybody. A lot of folks, it's just Medicare or Medicaid. But if you have a supplemental, it's called a Medicare supplemental, that's where you can direct bill music therapy. So for speech, for those behavioral, cognitive, it's mainly cognitive. So we would build a cognitive code or there's some where we support behavioral. Again, the doctor must order it. So the doctor literally has to write a script and say the diagnosis, Alzheimer's. They have to write the appropriate diagnosis code and uh, recommend music therapy to treat as recommended. And then you submit it to, you know, your supplemental insurance. Okay. And what about long-term care insurance policy? So again, you're paying, you're paying 3000 to 7000 a month, correct? Oh, yeah. My right? dad pays exorbitant. And the insurance is picking that up. That's the job of advocacy. That's the job of market demand. Those facilities know how to bill United Healthcare, whoever, you know, Aetna, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, just like I'm pretty much a peon compared to the big companies and the software that they have to handle billing, right? right? That's where it comes to advocacy. Again, this is one of the most effective therapies known in current medical science and supported by Johns Hopkins University's research in the International Journal of Neuroscience. I mean, it has been doing this and known. So it's advocacy, and then it's making sure you can find a music therapist. And here's one of the blessings and the silver lining of this pandemic is that most of us are virtual now. So you can pick Felicity Baker from Australia, as long as the time doesn't work for you to work with as your music therapist. You can get all of my staff virtually, you know, so they can't use the excuse that we can't find a music therapist, Mm. right? Even if you're isolated, that's why I've stepped into the whole technology Game once we pivoted very quickly because we've been working with this technology a long time and how to get to those isolated rural communities where I'm from. I mean, you can't get to a hospital. We have maybe one place that maybe is a nursing home, but they don't even have really good dementia care at all, right? Well, most of them don't. No, they don't. And it's getting really hard. It's getting harder. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) And so when you're asking it to paid for, it's going to be covered. Now, you know, Mm -hmm. Medicare is those smaller rural communities really are being defunded. I don't know how else to say it because they're mainly Medicaid. You have to remember, I said a lot of us who have are living in the urban centers, really have access to higher income jobs. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up and in Indiana, we, our job was we got up every morning, we hoed, we fed the hogs, we, you know, fed the cattle, we, you shovel manure, you walk in the fields, pulling weeds from the soybeans, you know, detasseling corn. Morning to night, your job, we only ate what we grew and raised. We went to the store to get salt, sugar, flour. We didn't go shopping. That's a Medicaid 
person, right? We don't, but it's kind of the norm. I'm used to that. So therefore we don't have these Medicare supplementals. Mm. You don't necessarily, I never saw a doctor. I had an uncle who was a vet. I didn't see an actual MD most of my childhood. You know, yeah, I mean, times have changed. They have changed for yes. us in the urban centers. Mm. They have not changed as much the further you go out rurally. Yeah. And I don't want people to forget that. You, where you are and where you have access to makes you believe that those times have changed, but they have not for a large number of folks. Yeah. They're still living pretty much either off the land or off hand to mouth. So yeah. Medicaid and those facilities I'm talking about, there's very little money. Mm-hmm. There's like $19 a day to take care of that person, $20 a day really left to do the kind of things we're talking about. So I do want to be careful there in the expectations I'm saying, but why I think it's important. Music crosses financial barriers. Music, right? A little bit of training and, you know, everybody's got a cell phone out there that have reception. That's why I'm trying to get people to understand there are things that we can do for your brain that are powerful medicine, eating, diet, health, it's all so essential. So don't give up is all I'm trying to say. When there's little resources, just make the most of the resources you have. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, do not abandon those folks and don't believe that's the best you can do. Yeah, it's a package deal. Right there. Yeah. yeah. You need all those. Yeah. Well, Hope, the other day we spoke briefly about the care in assistant living and memory care homes and long-term facilities. I mean, I recognize that You've always been an advocate for the elderly. And in all your years, what have you fought for the hardest here in Texas? Some teeth, (laughs) some will, some political will to enforce basic rights and human dignity that we are probably one of the most unregulated states, which we take a lot of pride in, but there's a good and bad side to everything that we can be proud of also has a dark side. And we really need the people who are caring for our elderly, that we entrust to help us when we need help caring for them, that there is not only just oversight that our legislature puts in, but teeth to that regulation. We are horrible about if you've spent three to $7,000 or $10,000 a month, and it's really pretty, it's still just being a gilded cage because we still will not hold accountable that our parents are bruised, that our parents are laying in their own urine and feces, and they're not being bathed. These things happen daily. And ever since I stepped foot 30 years ago in this state, it's a state that we need to step up with love for our legislature, love for everybody that's involved, but to hold ourselves and each other accountable to what love is. The power means no harm, do no harm. And that means when they're interested in my care or somebody in a facility, that there's somebody who has our back to say, no, the finances are flowing. You are making an awful lot of money here. And yet my mother is bleeding and hurt. Why? What happened? How do we improve this together? But nobody improves without accountability. There is no right without responsibility. There is no ability to really let love and this gift of life be ours to live in and enjoy without 
true love means we hold each other accountable. That's my real fight and always my fight in this yeah. legislature. Being more true to what we say is at the heart of this state. Where do you think the breakdown is in the homes? You know, I mean, I know there's no, nobody, there's no accountability there from the state or there's no strict, there's no strict guidelines. And so therefore, you know, and then you've got caregivers in the yeah. homes that are making $10, $12 an hour. And everybody likes to hold them. Like they like to put it all on that or they like to put it on it's them. True. Like we're, it's the administration leadership and regulatory at the state. We really have known for the last 20 years, no matter who's even 30 years, I can say Democrats, Republican, the same mm -hmm. thing. Yes. No matter what, we have a horrible track record of regulatory, and again, regulatory teeth to these companies. Business is good and empowering is good, but there is a balance there. You cannot keep leaving that top layer of the power brokers that own and run these facilities unaccountable. They're allowed to make all the money, but we're not doing any kind of things because we don't want to inhibit you know, the money. I'm like, you are inhibiting the human lives and the trust in this industry. That's why you see aging in place growing like crazy, not only here, but around the world, like you, the goal to live in the mm -hmm. community at home. Tell us a little bit about that, aging well, in place. And that's one of the benefits. There's an upside that those of us who have the means that we can be at home, those of us who cannot leave our parents at home and have to work, that's a trick. You're going to have to pay somebody or have really good community or family that can stay with them, right? So aging in place means that we go out first from our home. That's our goal. And we do our financial planning around that. We make sure we have insurance or whatever we can to be able to stay at home. We redesign our homes, just like when you were preparing during pregnancy to get your home, mm. those electrical outlets covered. We prepare our home for ourselves. We change it so we can age in place. We literally put uh, reinforced beams above our bedrooms where we know we'll want to put eventually a harness to help lift us out of bed because we know that you, Carrie, nor your father probably can lift your mom as much as she needs lifted. We will put supports and handrails in our bathtubs instead of worrying about them looking like Better Homes and Gardens mm -hmm. magazine. We make sure that we have those rails built in along our hallways. We take out carpeting and we put in wood floors or hard floors. We maybe sell the house that's two-story and we move into a one-story that doesn't have steps to get in and out, or we do a little bit of concrete to even out those. And we do this ahead of time because we are going to age in place. We talk to our children, we do our advanced directives, our financial planning, so that we have those insurance things that instead of it paying for the nursing home, we are changing our financial model to stop reinforcing the assisted living and the skilled nursing facilities as the only option that gets our money. The insurance companies are allowing us to use those policies to pay for care at home, people who can stay with us, cook with us, nursing care, right? that would be covered there instead of just what Medicare pays mm -hmm. for. They can't hire them privately, though, can they? With some of those policies, unfortunately, I know every policy, it's like, oh, do you have health insurance? Yeah, but my policy only covers major medical. Yes. Oh, mine pays for speech and OT and PT. Oh, and mine, I get nursing, right? Yeah. So scrutinize your policies and look at what you're really buying. Mm -hmm. But yes, we have a lot of our customers, those actually pay for private. Mm -hmm. They're allowed, again, it all depends on your policy. 
Okay. And when you're looking at it, the other thing that those policies that Aging in Place is doing is you really work on your community. We literally have all kinds of private companies and software. Those of you who have kids who will set you up where you can have your garage doors up and down, you can have a smart home about temperature, you'll allow your kids to see you, only your kids, to check in on you and see if you've fallen or wear the Apple Watch that lets them know that you've fallen. You know, there's just so many tech things that Aging in Place is doing too, but also literally there are neighborhoods that have mined us as an Aging in Place committee in our homeowners association now that we're knowing who each other is. We know who's going to age in this community. We know who is like you, maybe Carrie does a podcast and is around home and that we could call and say, would you mind picking up the groceries? Mrs. Smith is, you know, she's not feeling well or Mr. Smith needs to go to a doctor's appointment. That's also part of aging in place, getting us out of the nursing home Mm -hmm. and assisted living model for next, the future generations that are saying, I refuse to keep funding an industry that is not being held accountable for mm-hmm. how they care for me and care for those who I really love. And I love those people in my community as much as I love my family at home. Mm-hmm. That's aging in place. And that's a really wonderful thing that's transforming. That's all great, great instruction, Hope. Thank you for all that because just, you know, kind of detailing all that out. And, it, and so what it really boils down to is safety at home, yes. having that safety at home because you're sold really a bill of goods when you go and you visit a home and you visit several homes to pick out the home. But every, that's that word they use is to draw you in is your loved one is going to be safe here. And that's where you can trust us. My mom's been in four homes already. You know, I see the neglect and the abuse and just things that just, she's just not being taken care of. And it's just really sad. You know, I'm, and people do. Loved ones do go and complain, and nothing is done. Not administrating that home, but the companies that own them above them are not being held accountable. No, no. They're like the teeth that is missing that other states. My mom was in a nursing home. See, I've had wonderful skilled nursing experiences and bad, but with my mom, but I, of course, know a lot more. And so she was in this tiny kind of poor skilled nursing facility, but it was only owned by one owner that owned two homes and you yeah. knew them. And there was so much love. I mean, that's they were a good thing. Not the freshest pain on the wall. She got great care, mm-hmm. really great care. And we were Medicaid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's poor, but it was owned by somebody who lived there in the community. It was different. And I'm not saying that all corporations are bad, but in this state, those same corporations are used to being regulated more in other states. Mm. In Texas, we keep our hands off. And I know that's supposed to be the ideal, but not ideal is 100%. There's always a risk. And we're risking those that are most vulnerable. Oh, and it's a growing population. Today is elderly. That's the highest growth rate we have in our population in Austin, especially Houston, because they're growing. The elderly, our parents are coming here because we have all this influx of people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, right? So their parents are moving here in droves. And they're not they're making a lot of money, but they, this state does not want, there's a lot of resources you can go and read. There's Just Google it. And it's well known in the Texas Department of Aging. It's well known. And we have a lot of people, but we do not have the political will to change that. But aging in place for those of us that have resources, 
not just financial, but family or community resources are choosing to do what a lot of folks to do everything you can to be at home. There's a little bit of risk there, but there's an awful lot of love and a real person there. I can see that that would just work out so much better. I mean, I loved it when my dad had my mom home, but it just came to a point where it's overwhelming, you know. It is. They uh, need support like you, Carrie. You need support. That resiliency that Judy talked about, why is she saying that? It's hard on you. It's hard on your dad. So you cannot do it alone. Aging in place is not individualism, right? It's not, I'm going to do this all by myself. It is community. Yeah. And sharing each other, sharing resources, getting in support groups, getting involved in community. If you're not, if you're new in a transplant, you've got to do your research, but we need to reach out and find those people who are alone yeah. and bring them in community. Yeah. That's what love does. How can we correct these issues when it comes when we're going back to because I don't want to leave this topic yet because <laughs> I know there's more to it girl okay so how do we correct these issues in the state at the state level I mean I know that you've been there to the capital yeah. right so, uh, here we go so the area agency on aging all right mm-hmm. is a good resource your state department of aging getting involved meeting those people talking to them they have lists and they keep the good and bad list and the scale in between of facilities, you need to report to them. Here in Austin, like there's something called Age of Austin, and that is aging resources extraordinaire, people you can talk to. People will hold your hand and help you get advocacy and free legal advice, people who will plug you into the support groups who are actively working and going and out having these conversations with legislature. The more that we can do that work with our area agency on aging, our other aging, you know, community networks, like I said, I know Austin, we have the age of Austin or age, the greater area of Austin. But find that if you want to find in your area where that is, contact the State Department of Aging, Texas, get those resources, get plugged into them because you cannot do it alone. So if you're trying to hold your skilled nursing or assisted living or wherever you are accountable on your own, it's like a drop in the ocean. When you report to your area agent on area agency on aging, you get plugged in and then you find out who are my aging advocates. You know, if it's the Alzheimer's Association, if it's like age, there's just so many. And you find people, get involved in the support groups, team up, advocate. Do not go into a meeting with your administrator in that facility alone. We have what in the support groups we call advocates. Remember that your aging is a disability. By the time you're talking about what, why your mom needs to be in there, that means that she's part of the intellectually disabled with the dementia. She's probably already got some motor and mobility challenge. So your advocacy groups, I know all the ones in Austin on the state level, your State Department of Disabilities, they have advocates that will do this for free and you need them by your side when you're going to get change in that facility. Do not do it alone. That's all great resources. Thank you for that. I have a question in reference to, is it true that the homes during this pandemic, this virus, is it true that the homes do not, is, there's a HIPAA form or something, is that correct out there that they don't have, if we were to ask the home, if there are any cases of the virus in the home, they do not have to tell us. They Basically, it protects their home. 
Well, here's the thing. Texas wrote a higher HIPAA standard than the rest of the United States. So I can tell you, because I have a facility and I run a company, healthcare, there is the federal HIPAA law and every state then writes their own. Well, Texas made a stronger, more rigorous HIPAA standard than the rest of the United States. So where some states like to go lower, Texas went up. So when we talk about HIPAA compliance and some of the information that we're allowed to give out, in most states, I don't have to get QuickBooks software to do the HIPAA training and make sure that they're certified, right? Our state, it's that much higher that my, even my software I use, right? And my consultants and everybody. So there is a higher standard. So you have to be really careful not to compare us to the rest of the United States. That was a choice our state legislature made. So when you're talking about a COVID-19 positive or negative test, that is part of that person's medical record. And that medical record only belongs to that person. That's the rights. So that person has to agree and sign off to share that information. Outside of what's not, when you're looking at your county or your city public health records, that data has been scrubbed of the individual data. And of course, it's been reported used to go through the channels that would drive right up to CDC right now. We have a new system the data is feeding to on the federal level that the White House has changed. It's kind of disrupted things right now. But traditionally, we report scrubbed, what's called scrubbed, that's non-identifying data, healthcare data. So your mom's data we don't have access to, right? She's just pulled without anybody knowing her name or anybody that could track that back to her that it would be used against her in any way. That's what you're talking about. But otherwise, if I'm positive and I'm in a nursing home, I own that and that's only my rights to share. Okay, so whereas in other states, there's more transparency. Every federal law, the states have a right to how, you know, if they're, and remember, not every state takes Medicaid money Mm -hmm. or certain federal funds differently. So Mm -hmm. that changes what kind of legal linking up those laws are really working well together or not. Mm -hmm. Here, I will let you know, yes, we have a higher HIPAA standard. I think it's one of the highest in the country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I just feel that there needs to be, I personally would want to know if someone in my mom's home, I don't even know who it is, but if there are cases going on, I would be concerned with that. So go to your area agency on aging and go to your state department of aging, go to your public city of Austin, public health or Houston or your county public health and say, because you can get access to that. Mm, Okay. Get access. They will tell you how many violations that your facility has had for abuse, neglect, these kind of things. So you can, that's why I said, go to those, get plugged into your advocacy groups for disabilities. They will be tracking and they're fighting. They're fighting the fight here in the state and county and city levels in the state especially in COVID for people like you and your mom and your families. Because the hospitals, there's some fights we're having to have to make sure that when your mom, if she would have to leave that skilled nursing and she needed to be hospitalized for COVID, we are really finding the fight that you and your dad could go with her Mm -hmm. because she has a speech impairment. She has a cognitive impairment. Because of that, your mom's chances of dying are much higher unless she has somebody that knows her, can interpret it for her. We have this with all of our hearing impaired like me. I can't tell what my doctor's saying. So I bought clear mask, right? And made those because otherwise, if I'm not handing those out to the doctors, 
I'm not understanding them. Yeah. And if I was confused, like your mom would be confused, how are they going to have information and communicate like they do with you? So we're really fighting that fight in COVID here at home, but nationally. Uh, We're finding that fight for our folks with that dementia. Yeah. So communication is a key. Yeah. And that's advocacy. So that's our, we're finding that with uh, teaming up with our disability advocates. Mm -hmm. Advocacy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just aging. We're really teaming up with our, all the disability services in the state. Yeah. And so consider that, that oftentimes we get caught in the dementia diagnosis and you forget Mm. That makes my mom part of the intellectually disabled, which are dying at much higher numbers than anybody else in the country right yeah. now with COVID. And because of what you just said, families like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, oh, I know. Well, that data is out there. It's in your county and public health access. It's in the area agency on agency and the, and the state department of agency. Mm-hmm. Find out the regulatory and those support groups and there's a list and you can know where your facilities fall. Individual, I can do it on my own. You can, yeah. You will yeah. not. You will not succeed in the goals that love is driving you to, to do better. Mm. It always makes yeah. us rise and, and be better. Yeah. A lot of times we feel like that we are just out there as a lone ranger. Yeah, it is. And that we really just need to reach out to others and in this fight for advocacy for our loved ones. So it's really important. Yeah, if we want to get anything done, exactly. <laughs> we want to get any answers. You exactly. Know? And you're so drained, right? So take oh, care yeah. Of yourself. Daddy, the key to you, Carrie, is how will you take care of yourself, right? And yeah. you feed your soul. You advocate feeding your body. You feed your brain. You feed your family. But that gets tapped off on, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to re- always keep that balance. So as a caregiver, get the support you need. Talk, have these conversations. With me, with others, fine. You found me. I didn't find you. (laughs) And did that. And you're helping others find this. So, you know, be prayerful. Be mindful. Ask for what you need. But you have to take some time to reflect and stop and slow down. Because nobody can care for each other without caring for themselves and letting others help and care. So this idea of individualism at all costs is really hurtful. Families and to each other. We really need community. So off the cuff, I'm just curious how you feel about this lockdown of the elderly in the homes. I mean, I know it's, it's kind of an essential right now. Do you see any end to this? If we could just all get on the same page, you guys. <laughs> I think at the heart of every human soul is the experience of love. I always come back to that. I don't, it's the only thing in the world that I've learned to trust. I think I told you, but you know, my mom was mentally ill. So yeah. I've grown up. And I am a product of my mother-in-law. <laughs> She's like, who raised you? I'm like, God, the world. <laughs> all over. You know, I was a ping pong ball because of mental illness. And then, you know, so I've been in your role since very little. And at 18, at actually 15, a judge tried to make me a consecutor of my mom. I was a little too young. Oh, wow. That's so difficult and fragile. And so once I was 18, I was taking care of her. And we did go through your journey. I've spent a whole lifetime. Why do I advocate is because it's love. I understand love and I understand love requires of us something greater than what we alone can give and provide. So why I think that's important with the the nursing homes is they're in a tough spot because it's just so contagious, 
right? Yeah. And those who are caring for them are touching and I wear hearing aids. Can you see these? I mean, can yeah. you imagine just trying to disinfect everybody's hearing aids coming on and off them every day with COVID, much less all the other stuff where it's so a call and community spread levels are what are keeping us on lockdown. If we just got on the same page and we all understand that we love somebody and let everything else come second, right? Mm -hmm. And I am a caregiver and I'm a therapist, so I always default to safety, right? Mm -hmm. I do. I will take risk when there's love, but I still need best practice and, and I need to be held accountable to standards of best care. So that's why the lockdown is going on is because we have such high community spread. Yeah. Everybody get together and get that community spread down, get our kids, get our grandkids, get everybody who I'm an army wife. So we just do the hard stuff. Even if it feels stupid, just do it. If there's a risk there, just do it for each other. Get the community spread down. Let us get back to where everybody can come in and out of that nursing home. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to be dictators for life saying, did you touch this? Did you touch that? Which <laughs> you can't do that when everybody's visiting the home because we have too few staff and we don't have security, right? So that's my take on it. Just get together. We really need each other and we need to love and care. Yeah. But lives first. That's just where I am. Um, mm -hmm. Just saying, yeah. that's just where I am. Yeah. Loving each other. It's, you know, sometimes it's, it sounds so easy to us. It's hard. It's the hardest on the planet. It's the hardest ideal we've been given to truly live up to, but it's one of the most compelling reasons to do better and to sacrifice more and to give and to listen. Just be quiet and listen. Let that space be okay. And, but at the heart of it, what we're really saying to each other, do you love your mom? Do I love my mom? Yeah. How can we help? Come on. It's not that hard. Just, how can I help? What do you need me to do? If you're asking me to do something that I feel silly about, yeah, I'll say that's fine, but I'm here with you. Yeah. But we need to hear from each other. I'm here with you. I have to give kudos to my mom's home because they actually have formed a parade every couple of weeks where we, you know, that they bring the residents outside, they sit them down. My mom's a walker, so she's just walking. They have like two or three girls that have to pull her out of the home and or take her out of the home. And so we all line up and decorate the cars and we go through and yeah and I can remember the first time they had the parade and my mom looked at me and she did this little E.T. finger and she's like I want to come see you and I lost it I would be too it's oh my painful god. oh my gosh I had to tear up your heart oh just, my oh. god well and you know you think about oh. just the whole family and my dad you know yeah because they were attached at the hip you know they were that notebook couple. Yeah. This oh, is sweet, sweet marriage. Yeah. It's what makes life worth living, isn't it? Yeah. And we're going to get through the other side, Carrie, your dad. And so you can. I mean, every cell in your body just had to be wanting to lean into her and hold her. Your, that's oh. the body you came out of. That's the body and the hands that held you. That's your dad, you know. They yeah. formed you together. You just, I can feel it. I just want to lean into, right? I want to hold so badly. But we're going to get to the other side. She's going to be alive. And that's what those nursing homes and that she's not going to be hurt. So we can hold each other again. Yeah. And not, it's like Kent and I with Imogene, we love her so much. And we want to hold her, but Kenton's army. So he's getting too exposed and I'm healthcare. So I'm getting too exposed. 
we want her to be alive on the other side. Absolutely. We're not going to take this moment now to ruin that opportunity, but we're finding all kinds of ways to connect. She has become so much more technology savvy with things for us to talk and be together. And so I think that's the challenge. Love has given us an opportunity here to figure out new ways to do it, to be connected at the hip spiritually, emotionally, find the way she loves you and she sees you, that we're going to get to the other side together or fight for that chance. Right. I believe that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, wipe my eyes. I know, I'm crying too. It's such a hard time. Can we both just cry and acknowledge to your audience and everybody? We all are really feeling this. Yeah. And that's why when I say come together, we're already together. I don't know what's keeping us from feeling like we can't come together, right? That outside of just stopping, if any of us are finding ourselves getting to let things divide us or that these people are unreachable, I'm going to give up on them. Try to just take a breath and realize all of us are crying, every single one of us. A lot of people are yelling because this pain, instead of crying, it just makes them want to yell, makes yeah. them want to scream, once makes, you know, they're in pain, they're scared. Yeah, they're hurting. All coming from the same exact feeling that we just were feeling. Yeah. It's a love, it's a need for each other that we have and a care for each other mm-hmm. that is hard for us to say or see because we let all this... If you would just unplug from media sometime, just a little bit, (laughs) stay plugged in, listen, stay tuned to the world, but then unplug and ask yourself that feeling you just had, the one that is so important with your mom, your dad, your family, your community. Mm. Each of us know that. And we know what it's like that we need more than our family. Our family was fed through community relationships, through strangers who were kind to us, good Mm. Samaritans. We didn't even know have done kindness to us. And any little bit of hurt in humanity that has caused us, there's been a whole lot more of those touch of strangers and people that have surrounded you that have fed that love that you and your mom and your dad share and how you've gotten through your life. Mm. You know, on this journey, it's just so important that need. Don't give up on each other. And take a breath and remember and feel. Cry. Cry. Because honestly, that's what it's worth. This effort. It's worth being able to feel that moving, compelling, something that you loved enough to feel that mm-hmm. sadness. We just made me cry here. <laughs> we need each other. And I'm so glad I've met you. And I'm glad to have another advocate. And any way we can empower each other. I think state politics and the regulatory, they forget this. And I'm just going to say it, girl, that <laughs> ladies and guys, you have been dominating that state legislature. Uh, a long time too long too long (laughs) too long that listen you've got to hold each other to better standard and what's more inspiring than love Mm. yeah we do need a few women in there go ahead we do and i'm gonna advocate for hope young (laughs) (laughs) i do love to support and i do love my i'm not gonna i really my husband serves we serve (laughs) anybody who will step up (laughs) I am grateful for, even when I vehemently disagree with them. Absolutely. I told you about that. This one guy in the legislature, he's retired now, but every time I had to talk about him and go to him, he's always, when I bring up this issue, he's like, honey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I'm like, (laughs) broke. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you for everything you do, but how much more data do you need to see that it's broke? (laughs) Well, his metric was always that it was just the industry was making money. 
And that was his metric. Oh, that was a bottom line. And like, sir, there's a new generation. This is where we need girls. Like, yeah, we need some feelers in there. Nice. We know how to take and put, you know, make the hem go longer in our kids' pants. We, we know yeah. how to make the money go longer, but you don't have to give up on the love or the art of like, you look great and you feel great. So don't just look great, feel great when you live in these care homes. Yeah. And we're quite the creative thinkers. We are. So, yeah. So are. give us a we chance. Are. But I do appreciate all of them. It's that they can't do it without us. And if none of us are raising our voices and saying, I'm here not only to beat you up, and mm. I'm not really beating them up, I'm here to support and get involved. Mm. And that's sometimes what I think we get lost, we get discouraged, and we forget why we're there. And yeah. it's, again, if you realize that you're there out of love, you have a lot more tolerance, and they will get moved and inspired and move mountains for you. And that's where I can say with awesome. the legislatures I worked with that are doing a great job and the agencies, that resiliency that you need, they need it too. Yeah. You need it too because it's really tough to move mm-hmm. those mountains, but they can. Yeah. And they have, and they do, and we have. So we just don't forget that. Yeah. So um, we've got just about 10 more minutes. It's that okay. on the clock here, girl. we got to run through this. Now, before we go, I've got one more question for you, Hope. Okay. If there was no pandemic of the virus, and let's say there's a listener out there who's frustrated with their loved one in a long-term care home, perhaps there are no programs in place for any activities, they've witnessed various forms of neglect and abuse, what steps would you suggest they take to ensure their loved one was cared for properly? And you've gone over a lot of that. All right. Let's, the first thing is you must speak up. And I'm... Whatever feeling that you have from that is important, but do try to take a few deep breaths, but as immediately as you can, you document it and you report it, not just to the care staff. You've got to go to the nurse on duty and make sure it gets in the record. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good. You need to get it in the record. Now, nothing, even if you brought it up and talked to everybody and you've sat with the administrator, unless it's documented, it never happened. Right. So how do I do that? You, again, you make sure the care staff knows and try to do your best. I mean, I know that I'm going to own it. I'm angry. I'm disgusted. And that emotion compels people to action. That's not enough because that's just going to happen again, right? As soon as you're gone, right? So you must go to the charge nurse and they're very hard to get. And you've got to get it in the record that this is what you saw. So describe what you saw. If it's a bruise, what size? If it's blood, where? You've got to describe what you saw. One of the things you can do is you can take pictures on your smartphone, which will document the date and time as well as the wound. You send that in an email to the administrator and to the social worker, and you make sure it is. And when you check in again, is it in my mother's record? Is it in my father's record? It is in my brother's record. If it's not in the record, you have nothing to stand on. Email it and CC it. Hold, put your emails if you know how to make a file or star them so you can go back to your record, print them out in a fiscal record. Make sure that you take that record to your area agency on aging. There's going to be your county and other kind of city oversight people that you're going to learn names of. Mm -hmm. You're going to send it to the state. Department of Agencies. So if you're not getting things remediated, if they're not fixing this Mm -hmm. after you've documented it and gotten it in the chart, 
and you've sat and you've had these conversations, the other thing I would do before you even go to the state agency is get an advocate. So your senior centers, everybody's got a senior center nearby. If you're a vet, uh, get your VA. Get somebody to help you find an advocate so you're not doing this alone, so there's a witness. You don't have to pay. These are not lawyers that you have to pay. These are volunteers. I know, again, Age in Austin and Greater Austin has that. Family Elder Care has that here in Austin. I Fortunately, I don't live in all the cities that people are listening to this, but you can find those resources. Make sure you have a witness. Make sure that you're strategically finding out from what point they've sent you to that they're not sending you back and forth between two points. If it's not been fixed and you're not getting the results you want and you're getting sent back and forth, they've got you in a loop and you want to get out of that. So with a witness, with your documentation, you need to get to the next level. You need to get above whoever they just sent you to that sends you back down to the nursing home or to just the corporate corporate people. That list that keeps them in a good standing versus lower standing, that listing is in your state department of agencies control. That area, your state department of aging and the state department of health. So you need to make sure that listing is going down and that you're causing trouble with the good standing that they have on that listing that they care about, about violations. Mm. But that violation isn't going get, to get documented unless you have the documentation. Take your cell phone, take a camera, get the name of the staff that you reported to, write it down, write the name of the nurse that's on shift, your head nurse. Write the name that you've got to document. And if you can't write, if writing's a problem, use your voice memo in your phone. Gotcha. Okay. You cannot submit recorded evidence unless the person gave you permission to record them. So just know that will actually set you back. But if you're recording your own notes and that you want those to just be documented, those of you know how to do it to make that go into an email or go to a Word doc, that way you're not having to sit there and try to type. A lot of people don't type well or they don't have time. Can you tell we've done this a lot? (laughs) I've helped a lot of folks through this journey, and I know the way effective change has been made, and that is the keystone to effective change. Mm. You must document. You must have conversations in a respectful and dignified way, even when you're wanting to lose your cool. And there are times to have that edge, but you've got to be careful when you're slamming caregivers. When you're slamming the frontline workers only and you use kid gloves, on the administration. I don't mean take down your administration. I mean, you stand on your documentation. You stand on the communication you had and the respect Mm -hmm. that you can. I'm not saying don't be irritated or angry. Mm -hmm. I'm saying use I statements. This is what I, I statements, right? This is what I saw. This is what's happened. Do not start saying you did this to my, blah, 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 blah. They shut down. They shut you down as fast and they'll use it against you. Use I statements, use your documentation, Get your advocates. They'll help coach you and mentor you through. That's all so good. So helpful advice because it's just just important. We've got to document, you know, we've got to go to the right person, the people, and just really keep our cool. (laughs) That's hard to do. (laughs) Go scream, shout, let it all out. Come on, then go have that conversation. Get the documentation at the time that you discover it, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've been through this with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. I've been through this with my mom before, so I understand, but there are so many things that you said that, that I needed to follow up on, and that's uh, great advice for our listeners, though. And it's hard, Carrie. Yeah. Everybody take care of yourself. 
Yeah. Well, Hope, thank you so much for being a guest on the Healthy Brain Podcast. I mean, you just gave the listeners so much valuable information today. So please let us know where we can get in touch with you, like your website, social media platforms. www.centerformusictherapy.com is our website. And you can email us at admin at centerformusictherapy.com. And we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. So we are happy you guys reach out and we can provide music therapy anywhere in the world. If you want our services, just centerformusictherapy.com, admin at centerformusictherapy.com or 512-472-5016. And we are thrilled, Carrie. You are a delight and I want to champion you and support you and say you're going to, it's worth it. Everything, the love that you have shared all these years is so worth this journey and your, what love is leading you to, to advocate for your mom. Oh, thank you so much, Hope. I mean, again, we just really appreciate your time here on the Healthy Brain Podcast. And I just want to say thank you for all your hard work in making music therapy more available and giving the power of music to individuals who want and need it. You're an absolute light in this world. And I'm not sure what we'd do without you. I mean, God bless you. God bless you. And thank you. It's been a a delight to be on your show. And I'm glad we met. God bless you. Me too. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your healthcare provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.